This is the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. The topic of today's podcast is called When People Disagree. Now, people have disagreed since the beginning of people. I'm sure there are arguments about what kind of spears to use when hunting saber-toothed tigers, or how to best start the fire, or which cave to live in. The point is, conflicting ideas and disagreements are part of the human condition. It's very probable that disagreements helped in the evolution of our species by providing a broader range of options and thinking. People have disagreed since disagreeing was invented. Now, back in the day, people settled their disagreements by jabbing disputants with a pointed stick, or invading their country, or throwing them in prison, or banishing them, or excommunicating them, or worse. Some people were even made into human pronto pups and burned at the stake because they did not get with the official believing program. Imagine that. So, in comparing now and then, with our big human brains, our very advanced societies, and all our shiny gadgets, how has the way we handle our disagreements changed? Well, it really hasn't. Today, instead of jabbing with physical sticks, we jab with verbal, emotional, social, and professional sticks. There's still a lot of jabbing going on. Now, disagreements are good. Differing points of view are healthy for any organization or group. Conflicting ideas provide a broader view of the situation and more potential possibilities. You see more sides of the problem and generate more potential solutions. Questioning new ideas or proposals allows them to be fully vetted. This is how programs, policies, schools, institutions, and teacher preparation programs grow and evolve. Embracing a variety of ideas, philosophies, and viewpoints has always been healthy. Repressing conflicting ideas, allowing only a single viewpoint, has always led to extremely unhealthy situations. And sadly, idea repression occurs too often in societies, religious organizations, churches, political groups, schools, and yes, even in universities. Imagine that. And nothing good ever comes from repression. Uniformity creates a stagnant, unhealthy petri dish. As well, it is not humanly possible to have complete uniformity of thought. Even in the most regimented group, military organization, religious order, sector, church, people have slightly differing views on things. And even people in groups who try to follow a literal interpretation of a religious doctrine or holy book, or originalists who strive to understand the Constitution based on the original understanding, these people all have slightly different interpretations. The only case in which you will find uniformity of thought would be if groups of people project all moral and intellectual authority onto a leader or group and pledged blind allegiance. But here you would be giving up part of your humanity. So it's not humanly possible to have complete uniformity of thought. Now, disagreements means that there are conflicting views. 
conflicting views turn into conflicts if one party insists that the other party should have their point of view, when people demand that others think about things exactly the way they do. Thus, they set out to convince the other of their utter wrongness. They try to stamp all the wrongness out of the other. Now, I've experienced such stampings as I have put forth ideas in various online media and in-person venues. I've had the wonderment of being the focus of wrongness-correcting attempts. Now, it doesn't bother me at all. However, it stymies any meaningful dialogue and does not help to evolve our field. The wrongness-correcting attempts I have experienced have been based mostly on two broad areas. The first is literary, literacy instruction and interventions for struggling readers. And the second is systemic racism and critical race theory. People have tried to correct all the wrongness out of me. Be gone, you wrongness, they say. Well, this is what I think and why, I say. But you're wrong, wrong, they say. But here's why I think that way, I say. Wrong, 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 they say, and you're a bad person, and your ideas are ruining America and hurting children and creating economic chaos, they say. Oh, I say, thank you. And that's how the conversation generally goes. Of course, I exaggerate, only slightly. This type of wrongness correcting exorcism is rarely successful. Why is that? It's because of the neurons. Let me explain. When we encounter stimuli as newborn babies and before, neural pathways were established and neural networks began to form. As you grew and experienced, neurons connected and formed an ever-expanding neural-dot-to-neural-dot picture of reality. We have a hundred billion neurons in our human brain, so you can imagine the infinite possibilities. Every time we have experiences and gain new knowledge, these neural networks continue to expand. New learning actually physically changes our brain at the neuronic level. These neural networks provide the lens through which reality is viewed. You're using them right now to make sense of what I'm saying. Some of you, some of you might be thinking, this little bald man has a point. He's brilliant. Others might be thinking, this little bald man is nuts. This is nonsense. And still others might be thinking something completely different. However, the two big ideas that I would hope you'd take from this are these. First, we each create our own view of reality based on our neural networks, which are essentially an accumulation of all our experiences. And second, this vast tangle of neural connections forms a complex series of neural networks that will not be changed by a single pithy argument. My wrongness won't be corrected simply by pointing out my wrongness. But yet, the wronginators try. Why is that? Two reasons. The collective conscious and lack of alternative strategies. Let's look at the collective conscious first. Consciousness is that of which we are aware. The collective conscious is based on Carl Jung's description of four types of conscious. The personal unconscious, personal conscious, universal unconscious, 
and collective conscious or consciousness. The collective conscious is our awareness of the things, attitudes, and thought frames available to us through our exposure to the collective. In this case, all human interactions to which we are exposed. So on the collective level, how do we experience humans dealing with disagreements today? Too often, it reflects my conversation with the wrongness correct correctors earlier. Instead of looking for points of shared agreement or offering alternatives, differences are called a disaster, a disgrace, a failure. People expressing differences are called crazy, bad, unintelligent, or worse. They're isolated and demeaned. They're exposed to unpleasantries in order to leverage them into agreement. This way of handling disagreements is seen as the way to do things. People who disagree with you must be brought into line. They must be made to think as you do about things, whether it be politics, religion, racism, or phonics instruction. Differences will not be tolerated. As was said in Star Trek, we are the Borg, you will be assimilated. Sadly, most people do not know any other way of doing things. Some religions tell their adherents that their way is the only true way. Some send out hordes of official wrongness correctors and mind changers to convince people to believe the right thing. Some educators are led to believe that there is one specific method, program, or approach that is effective for teaching reading. They're told that research has shown that any other views on the matter are not to be tolerated. Anything else is wrong, wrong, wrong. In matters of racism, the dominant white majority culture and corresponding views and values are the right ones, so they say. Anything that deviates is wrong, wrong, wrong. So what should we do? How should we handle differences, disagreements, and conflicts? Stay tuned for the next podcast to find out.